As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Coming up on today's episode of The Glue Guys, I'm joined by Sam Amick of The Athletic to talk about his and Shams Sharania's report on Ben Simmons the growing frustrations inside the Nets locker room. And before we get to that, you know, we just got to talk a little bit about those Kevin Durant interviews, the two interviews he did in Sacramento after that disgusting game. Coming up. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not here today. It is just me. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this interview coming up with Sam Amick from The Athletic. I really appreciate Sam uh, spending his time to talk about it. I don't know if people know this, but in the media biz, when someone like Sam or Shams uh, release a story like they do, this big, deep inside story about a team You know, there's tons of radio producers, television producers hitting them up all the time saying, hey, can you come on my show and talk about this? Can you talk about that? Um, And Sam took part of his day, one of the busier days after a big story like this, to come on this show. Just for you, Glue Guys listeners, uh, what an absolute sweetheart of a man Sam Amick is. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I am just um, tickled pink with these Kevin Durant exclusive interviews that he did after the Sacramento Kings game. I think it was after, maybe it was done before. Um, you, you know, it, and I understand that some people are upset with some of the things he says. I understand that some people are very upset with the fact that um, he did this whole hilarious moment where he says, no disrespect, but, you know, I'm in a lineup with Royce O'Neal. Edmund Sumner, Joe Harris, and Nick Claxton, what do you expect us to win? And people are pointing to that as is a really sort of uh, disrespectful thing to say. I, I mean, I, I kind of have to agree with Kevin Durant. I mean, part of what the quote was really about as you go on, the aggregation is about 
Look at our starting lineup. I'm playing with Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and myself. No disrespect. What are you expecting from that group? He goes on, though, to say, you expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're watching us, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. Um, and I'm having a really good time. I wish you all could hear me during the games. If I got mic'd up more, people would stop asking me if I'm happy or not. I'm enjoying every moment I get to step on this effing court. And part of it is because I tore my Achilles and the pandemic. I didn't know if we were going to play again. I didn't know if I was going to play again. And so, like, you get the aggregation. The aggregation is, hey, I play with these guys, and we're, like, we're not going to win a championship, right? Essentially. I took a lot of what Kevin Durant said in the two interviews with Chris Haynes and Marcus Spears as positives, if you're a Nets fan. I mean, he talked a lot about how, um, and he was very revealing on the fact, probably the most revealing he's been about why he requested a trade out of Brooklyn. He, he talked specifically about, you know, that the team wasn't, really competing all that much in practice, wasn't competing all that much during games. They weren't being held to a really high standard, that it matters greatly to Kevin Durant that the team that he is on is respected in basketball in terms of the way that they play and the way that they compete. And I can't disagree with him on that. You know, there's things that you could push back on. You know, there was the moment when during the press conference to start the season when he was talking about how he wished that um, the Nets had won more games during the 10-game losing streak when he was out last season, whatever the, the losing streak was. Well, Brian and I went through it. If you look at all those games, it's actually pretty understandable that they didn't win because part of that was the Kyrie Irving COVID vax on and off again issue. Uh, James Harden got hurt during that streak and eventually totally disappeared from the team during that streak. So the Nets were starting lineups with like Kessler Edwards and a bunch of bums and not to... I mean, some of those bums still play on the team, but you know what I mean? Again, I'm doing what Kevin Durant just said. I appreciated a lot of what Kevin Durant spoke about in this. What am I going to do? Am I going to psychoanalyze everything he says in interviews? Yeah, yeah, I am because I'm a Nets podcaster and that's part of the job. But the thing that I, I enjoyed is that, you know, his mindset seems to be seems to be again, that he's happy with Jock Vaughn as coach, that he's happy with the teammates for the most part that are playing on the nets. Maybe not Ben Simmons so much, but he didn't really throw, he did not throw Ben under the bus. So I'm not even going to say that. Um, and that, that he wanted, that he wants to be in Brooklyn, at least for now. I think that's all we could expect. I mean, you know, it's pretty easy for Kevin Durant to change his mind and then request a trade out, right? So there's always this tension about him and about this team that if they really start teetering on the edge and fall off the cliff, that he it's very easy for him to say, hey, I want to be traded and I won't play basketball and I'm done with the Brooklyn Nets and I want to be traded to the Phoenix Suns, the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, whatever it may be. Right now, you know, I think he's feeling energy from Jacques Vaughn being the new coach. I think he's feeling energy playing with some guys um, out there. So I took mostly positives away. And I would urge everyone to just read the stories. You know, read the stories. Don't just go for the aggregation that you see on Twitter. Um, Net, Netsdaily.com actually has a really good write-up uh, kind of coalescing the two stories together. 
If I could point out one more thing that I absolutely love in the story, I think it was Marcus Spears' uh, story that a lot of it actually centered on happiness on some level, Kevin Durant's happiness about, you know, he's classically kind of a grumpy dude. Um, he asks, here's the, th- here's the question. What are the things about life that you're loving? Kevin Durant says, what's not to love about life? I'm a great player. I get to go hoop every day, work on my game. I make a shit ton of money and I buy a lot of cool shit. That's top class. My life is good. Get off my back, Charles Barkley. Top class everything. Um, I, I get to buy a lot of cool shit. I so appreciate that. Yeah, I get to buy, like, what you know, and also, you know, I would love to hear more about what the cool shit that Kevin Durant buys. You know, immediately my mind, my mind jumps to blank check. You know, are you buying the the water slide into a pool off of an office? Are you buying that limo and just riding around? Um, is it a Toys R Us situation back in the day where you have a minute clock sit on you and you put everything in your basket and as fast as you can, and then by the end of it, you get to keep everything that's in your basket. You know, Kevin Durant's got that kind of money. That's what I would do with the money. Um, so I understand that there is some worry about Kevin Durant saying, I play with these guys and you expect us to win. Um, I just really don't think he was being malicious. If anything, I think he was just being realistic. I think if you asked Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton, and Edmund Sumner what they think, they would be like, yeah, it's kind of incredible that we're playing with Kevin Durant and we're winning games or we're competing because we aren't fully formed. Joe Harris is not fully formed. And the last thing I'll get to before we get to my interview with um, Sam Amick of The Athletic and his great reporting is that, in fact, Ben Simmons had his best game against the, the Sacramento Kings. It was maybe by far his best game. You know, I don't really remember even early in the season anymore. But he played 20 minutes, was 5 for 7 from the field, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal. You know, I... I it's not perfect. And this is the tough thing you have to think about with Simmons is that as he, I think he well states in the story that Sam and Shams put together was that he's been hurt. You know, I don't, people don't fake back injuries. They don't fake back surgeries. You don't just do a back surgery just because you don't get blood infusions or injections or whatever he's doing with his knee blood draining right now because you don't want to play basketball like you he is authentically hurt but as sam gets to in our conversation there's just always this sense that there's levels of competitiveness that ben simmons is not activating and the timeline of when the injury popped up and then when he plays and then when he doesn't play again you know it's it's tough to figure out it's tough to figure out Anyways, uh, coming up, my interview with Sam Amick, plus at the end, Sam gets to a bit about when he thinks Kyrie Irving will be back with the team, and it is sooner rather than later. Uh, that's at the end of the interview. So thank you all for listening. Uh, BK Glue Guys on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, uh, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself by the paywall at TheAthletic.com slash Glue Guys. Coming up, Sam Amick after this word from our sponsors. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, joining us on the show, one of the best in the, the absolute world at reporting on basketball, Sam Amick of The Athletic. Uh, Sam, I didn't realize that Sacramento was the hot spot for uh, exclusive and breaking news, but it feels like a lot of things, at least about the Brooklyn Nets, have broken coming out of the Sacramento Kings game. Uh, you and Shams did this uh, very detailed story about Ben Simmons, frustrations maybe inside the Nets locker room. And you actually uh, talked to Ben Simmons and and heard from him. You know, there's a lot to go through initially. But when did you first start sort of hearing sort of frustrations with Simmons? What did you find in your reporting? Mike, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, So, I mean, I guess I would say roughly speaking, um, you know, like a day and a half before the Nets came to town, you know, at our place, we have a, a really good dynamic when it comes to myself and, and Sham Sharania working together on a pretty consistent basis and just chatter is something that uh, when it comes to this job, you're, you're constantly trafficking and just what are you hearing out there? And as it relate, you know, related to the nets, there was all the Kyrie Irving focus for obvious reasons, you know, um, Kevin Durant basketball wise, having to carry a very heavy load, but then the Ben Simmons thing got a little weird when the team was down in LA, you know, he plays against the Clippers and then he's a late scratch against the Lakers because of his left knee after having missed, you know, a few games uh, somewhat recently as well. And we started hearing the similar themes from Ben's Philadelphia days, right? Where it was, okay, when is he going to be available on a day-to-day basis? It's not ideal for us not to know, you know, especially Jacques Vaughn, their new head coach with, you know, they took the interim tag off after they parted ways with Steve Nash and, and Jacques is trying to get off to a good start and wants to know who's available. And so um, it's deja vu all over again, I think for the most part, when it comes to Ben and the Sixers, you know, and kind of looking like the Sixers situation, but um, with them coming to my neck of the woods, as you know, I, I'm based near Sacramento. The, the timing was obviously good to, to try to connect with him. Yeah, so I do want to figure out, you know, obviously Ben has had injuries, right? He had this back injury, and 
he eventually had back surgery and then we hear about a knee injury and then he even detailed in you know in the conversation between you and Shams or was it was just you he had he says you know I've had my knee I've had blood drained a couple of times it's been swollen I had PRP injections so it's not a made-up thing um is the frustration sort of a it seems sort of mysterious for some players about when Ben is playing and when he's not is that where it kind of roots into it is and then even you know deeper and I'll be totally honest with you this has always been one of the tougher parts of you know I don't ever want to pretend that, that we're out here digging ditches in terms of what we do for a living but it is tricky to say the least to report on and cover these sorts of situations because there you know we can't read people's minds we can't read their hearts but the truth is like to your question yes the nets and players and coaches internally have questions that they don't have answers to regarding what truly is going on with Ben, you know, the Lakers game, for example, I do think there was a a sense within their group that, okay, you know, you just played against the Clippers. We thought you were fine and now you're out again. You know, I don't know how else to say it other than what the hell. Um, But then, you know, for Ben, and I did admittedly really like the fact that, you know, we were going to, very likely be writing something along these lines, even if we had not connected with Ben, because it's newsworthy that there is a rising frustration around him. Um, but to his credit, you know, he spent, I guess, what was probably five, six extra minutes with me yesterday when he had already done his group media, was pretty open during that group session. Um, and I caught him afterwards to get more specific about the stuff we were hearing. And, you know, he painted a picture of, Essentially, you know, kind of, I mean, one that, to be honest, if, if you didn't have the history with Ben, Mike, I, I would probably be saying that he's extremely believable. Now, it's hard because we saw how things went down in Philadelphia, and you have this constant theme of, you know, Ben says one thing, and then people all around him say another. I don't know what to believe anymore, uh, but it's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It's Because a guy's trying to be healthy, trying to play, says he wants to be out there, and, and you just have some people that simply don't believe him. Yeah, and – you know, his time with the Nets has been extremely tough, you know, and, and there are excuses that he can point to, but he's traded here for James Harden. Um, the intel that the Nets seemed to be getting was that Simmons would then basically play right away or play pretty soon after ramping up, right? And then right, right. the timeline gets, keeps getting pushed back and the reporting comes out of Brooklyn, you know, he's going to play this state. He's going to play here and it doesn't happen. And obviously he must've had a real back issue because people don't just do back surgery for no good reason. Um, But there's this always kind of like waiting for Ben to arrive. And then we get to this season and he does play at the beginning, but his play is timid and that's somewhat understandable, but it's, it's not fully you know, committed because he's just still figuring stuff out. And now he has this knee injury. And I'll even say to you that like the way it popped up felt very reminiscent of the back injury, which was that it felt like something that kind of came up that was tough to pinpoint when an injury happens. I mean, for the most of the time, we know when injuries happen because you see it on the floor. Uh, yeah. With the knee injury, it kind of felt like it was, I think it came up the day of a game that it was reported or released by the Nets that he had this knee injury. So I understand uh, skepticism and you did get to talk to Simmons and you said that I don't know it did not that it, it you didn't say it changed your mind but that you had you got a, obviously a better understanding from he him. presented 
in a pretty genuine manner, I guess I would say. Right. And, and I think that's, I mean, I remember watching him on the JJ Reddick show, you know, uh, and he felt, you know, it feels pretty genuine there. Um, when, when you did ask him, you know, you, you present them this sort of frustration, maybe internally with the nets. How, how did he respond to that? Yeah, that part was, uh, I mean, he responded, he, he didn't run from it at all. And, and that part for me, having done this for quite a while at this point was one of the more unique interactions probably because, you know, typically people's default in terms of people you cover within the NBA is whenever presented with anything even remotely controversial uh, as far as information goes, like the default seems to be deny, 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 and, you know, and, and kind of run the other way. And he took it in stride. And, you know, I, I don't have it in front of me. I think the way I phrased it to him was, you know, we're hearing this and this and this, you know, and, and do you feel that? And does that sound about right? Uh, and he said, yeah. You know, I mean, and I also, you know, full disclosure, later learned, you know, some of the detail there. Like he's, this is not a secret. And we even reported on a players only meeting where some of this stuff was addressed. Like he knows, you know, that there there is this frustration. Probably didn't necessarily want to read about it publicly, but it wasn't a surprise to him. So he, he seems, um, it's not apathetic. It's not apathy. He seems... Um, that he has become somewhat numb to people doubting him, even the ones who are very, you know, who are basically his coworkers and in his environment. Now for the prospects of his future career, cause he's only 26 years old. I will say I, I do find it professionally troubling for him that, you know, the Sixers story always his version of it in terms of, not necessarily wanting to play with them anymore, always went back to Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid being tough on him in the media when they lost to Atlanta. And that that was the type of thing that broke trust between him and them and, and essentially sparked his desire to leave. You know, so you can say, okay, that's that situation. Well, now you have new environment, new teammates, new coaches, you know, similar story. Um, in terms of like, where is his head going to be at now when he knows that it's uh, yet again, you might've thought that you had nothing but brothers in the locker room um, trying to play basketball together and achieve good things together. But no, they get frustrated because you get paid a lot of money and there's only so many good players on this team. The nets are incredibly thin roster wise, especially with Kyrie Irving out and, and you know, the impatience comes inevitably and he's now kind of front and center when it comes to that reality again. Yeah, I mean, it, you bring up Kyrie, and it feels very similar to, you know, how, what Kyrie's time was in Boston, and then he comes to Brooklyn, and of course, Nets fans are jubilant that you know, him and KD are coming, and obviously, we've seen since 2019, June 30th, uh, all Nets fans remember the exact moment when they heard how that ride has been, and you know, history repeats itself over and over again. It seems so with Ben, and you talk about the players only meeting. Um, you know, you have Markeith Morris is, you know, in there talking, uh, you know, speaking up, speaking to Ben, uh, conversation. Can you kind of describe why that conversation happened, when it happened and what was said during that? Yeah. So they lose to the Pacers in, uh, in Brooklyn at the Barclays center in October 29th. And, you know, it, it's kind of a scene that we've seen 
with teams since the beginning of the league, you know what I mean? And just sports in general, this frustration and trying to find solutions and players decide to, to not have the coaches in the room and, and talk about their issues, you know, and, you know, we were told without question that Marquise Morris, you know, had some things to say that night. And part of that was that Ben Simmons needed to get back to being Ben Simmons and that they didn't have much of a ceiling as a unit, as a group without, you know, him finding his way. Uh, and it kind of goes back to the greater context of this particular roster. I mean, you know, having just seen them, it's just, you know, it's wild. Like Seth Curry is, is a good NBA player. You know, Nick Claxton's a good NBA player. But that list, <clears throat> you know, Joe Harris is still trying to find his way back after a lot of injuries. But that list is not particularly long. And Ben, again, is, you know, um, in some other all parallel universe where the Nets have no controversy and they all play at their best, the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons star trio, it was supposed to be something special. Um, and you go back to the James Harden trade, and, and that also I think is, you know, part of the Ben discussion inevitably is, is always going to be through the filter of James Harden. James Harden's a very close friend of Kevin Durant's and a former MVP and a guy who, and before he got hurt recently, was playing at a high level in Philly. So if you're anybody on the Nets, you're going to look at Ben Simmons and be like, you are the farthest thing from James Harden, you know, even though James wasn't playing well when he was with the Nets. So, um, yeah, they have that meeting and, you know, they're trying to, they've been trying to figure their issues out obviously for weeks now with, uh, again, just all these controversies around them with Kyrie and Steve Nash and, and whatnot. So, uh, it was boiling over at that point though. Yeah. Just a couple more questions and we'll wrap up, you know, last one on Ben, what, you know, so essentially what do the Nets want to see or the, the people that you've heard from, what do they want to see? I mean, it seems as simple as like Ben Simmons playing basketball. Is that is it that that simple? I think. I mean, they want to see. It sounds corny and overly simplistic, but I think there's truth in it. They want to see heart. They want to see fire. They want to see competitiveness. They want to see you know buy-in, passion, all of those things. And it's you know personality-wise. Um, I think we continue to be a little puzzled by, you know, Ben is just not necessarily, he's not an emotive guy. He's not a fist pumping, you know, you know, kind of make you sit up in your chair when you're watching in the, you know, on the couch on TV. Um, his style doesn't necessarily inspire a lot of the time, but there was a time when he played more forcefully and when his defensive abilities you know, jumped off the page and, and they were something special and they just want to see that more. I mean, last night watching their debacle of a loss against Sacramento, I was torn because, you know, I'm texting with Shams during the game. I'm talking to people on press row and the general consensus was, man, terrible night for Brooklyn. Ben looks a little bit better. And, and I get that. And there was truth in it, but I'm also sitting there going, what are we talking about here? He's got 11 points, five of seven shooting. Cool. Great. 22 minutes. I think it was, you know, like this guy, you know, is a former number one pick and, and an all-star, you know? Um, and it just shows you how far he is from where he once was. And it certainly for me just absolutely brings in a question, you know, how good he can ultimately be. And, and so the Nets have about whatever, $70 million of, in two players that one who is diminished and one who isn't playing the other one of course is Kyrie Irving 
um, there is the six, I think it was your reporting, right? The six, uh, the Joe Sai, I don't want to say it's Joe Sai's six steps to success, but it's, you know, the six steps that Kyrie Irving needs to accomplish to get back on the team. Uh, right. That was Shams. Yep. Yeah, so, so Kyrie met with Joe Sai. He met with Adam Silver. Both came out and said essentially that they don't believe Kyrie has any hate. Uh, he's, they, he does not hate uh, Jews, which seems, which is fun that that has to be clarified, but right. Um, where are we on the path to return? You know, there, from just speaking for Nets fans, there's a lot of people who feel that Kyrie is, and also, I mean, not even for Nets fans, you hear from Jalen Brown, you hear from LeBron James, um, you know, they believe that Kyrie should be playing basketball soon and that if it's, oh, he's being overburdened uh, to do all the things that they're asking him to do. What are you hearing about any possible return at all? So it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation because, you know, there, there is chatter that I, I don't necessarily think that he is, you know, kind of dutifully making his way through the list. You know what I mean? Um, and, and you're a hundred percent correct that there, there are a lot of folks who feel like, you know, regardless of how that information got out, that the optics of it are not great because it indicates that rather than having a sense of collaboration between the league and Kyrie to get it to a healthier place, involving education, involving honest conversation, and certainly involving, you know, organizations like the Anti-Defamation League and, and, and really getting this to a, a healthier place. Um, and, and then ultimately, you know, they've made it very clear they would like to see Kyrie publicly, you know, preferably on camera, offers some kind of genuine message um but the list doesn't really kind of land in that with that sort of you know holistic spirit if that makes sense it, it, it's more you know like the, the homework assignment that you you give to your seventh grader um and so that being said on the one hand you know i don't know that the list is is getting you know kind of knocked out so to speak um but it does feel like he will likely be back sooner rather than later. I do not anticipate him playing in Portland, which they Thursday night have a game in Portland. I believe the next game is at home against Memphis. Um, it feels like that could be a possibility, um, especially you know having a home game and before they hit the road again. But um, officially speaking, Jacques Vaughn was asked about it before the Kings game and said that it's a day-by-day issue for him, that he asked Sean Marks, you know, if there's anything he needs to know, uh, you know, that's their GM, of course. And and then if, if there isn't, he just coaches who he has. Um, so, that the, you know, they're absolutely taking it just day-by-day. Day. So you're thinking sooner rather than – because there are – there's a conspiracy theory that this uh, – the six-step program uh, is essentially a banishment, that they knew that Kyrie wouldn't go through the six steps – and it was their way to say, if he doesn't do it, then we don't have to bring him back. You think it's to be clear. I mean, yes, but to be clear in this age of, you know, of podcast speculation here, like, <laughs> and, and, and aggregation, you know, this is, I'm giving, I'm not being told definitively by, by a person who would hundred percent know this is, you know, a, a large media contingent that was in Sacramento uh, last night, which is a, not the type of thing I typically say. We don't normally have TNT rolling in town and, a lot of national media, but there were a ton of people here last night. And, and, and of course, everybody is talking to folks with the team and trying to get a sense. So, you know, my sense, which, which could be off, but is, 
it, it feels like folks are, you know, anticipating him coming back. And you wonder too, you know, even reading some of Kevin Durant's comments after the game, you know, he did his somewhat brief group media session, ended up doing two separate one-on-one interviews with other media outlets. And in terms of, I mean, I know Kevin reasonably well from having covered him for a lot of years. I, I feel like if he didn't think he was going to see Kyrie Irving for another month, I, I don't know that he would have had the kind of relaxed vibe that he seemed to even after they got their heads been by the Kings. Um, and, and so that's just, again, you know, kind of reading the room a bit, but uh, but but no complete clarity at all. Well, we have you on the record. He's definitely coming back. <laughs> Sammy, I think. Uh, Damn it, Mike. <laughs> I know. I shouldn't even have asked you. It's uh, I put you in such a tough position, but I appreciate no you you going down the road with me, and it's so appreciative. Um, you can read him on The Athletic. Of course, you should read the actual article as opposed to aggregation about Ben Simmons. Sam Amick, one of the best in the world. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mike. Be good, brother. Thanks, man.